going on everybody welcome to another episode of your intention matters thank you very much for being here my name of course is still palmadot today i have stephen foster he is regional vice president of sales big title here stephen east global enterprise at alita how are you how you doing man yeah it's a most it's a mouthful for sure i'm doing well happy to be here yeah good well listen i appreciate the time do me a favor say hi to everybody provide a quick intro and then let's yep. jump right into it yeah so stephen foster um you know grew up in nova scotia I grew up in literally a fishing town of like 400 people, um, went to Dalhousie University, took engineering there, realized I, I couldn't really uh, sit and, and plug away at spreadsheets all day. Um, took a couple of years off to do a bit of soul searching, actually started a paintball business buying crates of paintballs from Korea and selling them locally. Saved up enough money to go back to university, realized I wanted to get into business. So switched out of engineering, took business and, uh, Ended up going to Concordia in New York, where I finally completed my uh, Bachelor of Commerce after seven years. Wow. Oh, interesting. Now I'm really looking forward to this story here. So, <laughs> so let's get into it then. So I, as you know, the, the title of the podcast is called Your Intention Matters. And and that's really built on, on a foundation that I have that nothing is really given to any of us. And most of us in the world of, of sales and, and professional selling Never thought we'd even get into sales, let alone really sustain any type of career in it. And we all have big decisions to make in meandering paths. And I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. So you ready to go? Yeah, excited. All right, good. So let's go back to Dal then. Okay, you talked yeah. about your, so you're from out east, you know, from people in California, they think Toronto's out east, but you're really from, you know, out east in the Maritimes. And so uh, Nova Scotia boy, you're at Dal. Um, did you graduate from Dal or did you graduate from somewhere else? Yeah, so I graduated from Dal with Bachelor of Commerce, uh, but I was a visiting student for three out of those four years that you're supposed to be in a commerce program. So I was at uh, Concordia in Montreal and in New York and Toronto. Interesting. Okay. So, so when you finally finished your education, was it, was York your last stop? Yes. Okay. Yep. So by the time you were done, what, what paper did you have? Bachelor of Commerce. Bachelor of Commerce from York? From Dalhousie. From Dal. So I had oh, to okay. take the courses at York and Concordia, send the descriptions to the professors at Dal, get them to like approve each course as being similar to what they would have taught. And I kept my degree as coming from Dal. That sounds like too much work for me. <laughs> it was but at least you got to travel the country a little bit, right? Absolutely. All right, good. So when you when you finished at York and you now have your your, your bachelor's of, of commerce, marketing, and you're ready to go, did you go back out east? Did you stay in Toronto? What did you do and what did you think you'd be doing you know, with your career? Yeah, I mean, the reason for the primary driver of leaving Nova Scotia was to do something bigger and better um, than, you know, the people that were around me. Um, I wanted to go where the big companies were, where the head offices were, and that was in Toronto. Okay. Um, and that was where I ended up. And I decided that I would stay there. There was a point where I was at Montreal and I remember going to a job fair and the recruiter said, Hey, you know what? Um, if you want to get a job in Montreal, you need to get yourself a nice French girlfriend and learn to speak French exceptionally because <laughs> um, you're always going to be second in line. And, you know, I kind of took that as my cue to, uh, to move on. And, and I, and I moved to Toronto. Okay. So you're in Toronto. 
Uh, I, I'm a Toronto boy. Toronto's an expensive town. What did you do? Uh, what, yeah. what was your first gig, you know, out of school, like post-education? So I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I saved some money from this paintball business and I literally sold my last like batch of paintballs when I was in Montreal and yeah. you know, things were getting pretty lean by the time I got to Toronto. Um, my first job was essentially the first job I could get. It was insurance sales, which you won't see on my LinkedIn. I did it for uh, two weeks and I found myself um, in uh, on Eglinton and uh, Young and just really uh, didn't believe in the product that I was selling. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it wasn't something that I felt aligned with, with what I wanted to do and why I traveled across Toronto. Um, so after two weeks, I said, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, and ended up at a company by the name of Marcus Evans. Did you, did you leave with a job or did you quit and then found a job? It's a good question. I think, I think I left without a job. Interesting. You know, that's yeah. not funny. So you're getting ready to start your career and you're working for, was it, did you say TD? insurance? Uh, no, it was, um, uh, combined combined. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So you're working for an insurance company and you realize this is, so it's my first job. It's expensive to wake up every day, but the product wasn't really getting you going. And I'm sure that probably came through in your delivery and your presence with your customers. You had enough insight to say, well, if I'm going to sell something, I got to at least be interested in it. Also have a, have a sense that it's, it's a, you know, a, a viable offering as well. And so I would say that that's a really good move on your part because there's, I know there's a ton of people listening right now who are in that spot where they couldn't care less about what they sell. And yet mm-hmm. they do it because they got to pay mortgage every, every month and rent every month and, you know, groceries every month. And so, so you made the leap uh, um, or, and where'd you land? What did you sell next? What would you, yeah, what, what'd and, you do? And, you know, you make a good point there about, you know, willing to sell anything. And, and that was very much what I thought my mindset was going into that job. And it just did not align with, with my values. Um, and I ended up going to a company by the name of Marcus Evans, and it was a conference provider. It was a high urgency. I learned all about urgency there. Um, company where, you know, it was, it was tight deadlines. You were contacting uh, senior executives at some of the biggest companies in the world and essentially asking them to go and attend a conference and bring their friends. Interesting. How, and how long was that for? How long did you give that a go for? So I did that for, I'm just going to look at my resume. So I give the right one. I did that <laughs> for about 10 months. Okay. So 10 months. Okay. And did you electively quit or what did they I quit did. you? No. So I did. I, um, that was, um, it was a great company. I was number two for sales. Still good friends with number one. Um, but the number that I was seeing on my paycheck wasn't, once again, what I'd moved across Canada to make. Got it. Uh, and, you know, when you're sitting at number two and looking at number one and there's not a big jump in compensation, um, that made me say, you know, what am I doing here? Where, what is my room for growth in my career? You know, I went yeah. to Toronto for one reason. I left my family. I left my friends, left everything I know to, uh, to build a career. Right. Um, and I just didn't see it there. So that was when I made the move to Xerox. So let's talk about Xerox, because as we were talking about before we hit record, you know, I spent about a decade there and we have a lot of mutual colleagues. And, mm-hmm. and so, so your tenure at Xerox was within the agent channel, which is really, you know, it can be, you know, hard knuckle sales and, and really, you know, can be aggressive. It can be uh, stressful because you're hundred percent commission, a lot of pressure on 30 day business. And so mm-hmm. um, how long were you at Xerox for? 
Yeah. So I was at Xerox for about two years. So for about two years. Okay. So as a guy who started at Xerox on the agent channel as well, I, I say it's hard, but it's, I don't say it like it's a negative, but yeah. boy, boy, it puts some hair on your chest if you figure out how to do this. Right. And so for oh, yeah. two years at the agent channel, uh, you must've done something right because that that's a tough go hundred percent commission for two years. hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I went there with the same mentality I had everywhere. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I mean, at that point, it was my third kind of kick of the can at having a job in Toronto and making it. Um, I was able to win over kind of leadership there. Mike Rice was a huge mentor to me in the person. Yeah, life. Mike's a great guy. He is. And, um, you know, he believed in me. He gave me a shot. And, you know, I went in every day um, just looking for business, trying to build value props. Um, I set up my process of how I was going to approach the market and how I was going to line up my days. Um, I think I started there in a September um, and, you know, I finished my first year as I think number three in the office for total revenue for the year. So essentially mm-hmm. like four months, I closed as much business as more business than most people had done in the entire year. Um, got a record for the biggest deal um, in that, in the agency's history. I then broke that record uh, that February um, Mike moved on to a new role and, uh, you know, eagerly set me up with his role. So nice. was, uh, I then took ownership of a team of 12 reps, which was, you know, a pretty fast career progression <laughs> over those two years, um, call it two and a half years by then. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a massive learning experience. You know, your path at Xerox sounds similar to mine, where, where I, I extended on, I went over to the direct side and the training side, but my, my progression at the agent level was a sales rep, sales manager. I had an office specialist in between, but I was a sales manager. And I, I, I um, how do I say this? Uh, I was highly ineffective as a manager. Uh, and I was probably, um, I hated the job, quite frankly, if, I, if I'm being truthful about it. I just wasn't very good at it. Totally different skill set. Did you gravitate to leadership? pretty quickly? Did you like it? Or did you like, okay, it's not really for you? What, what were your thoughts on actually leading? Because it's a totally different skill set. Yeah, it's a whole other animal versus you being, you know, out there on the front lines. Yeah. And so, you know, I gotta, I gotta give it to Mike for this, you know, he worked with me leading up to that event happening. Um, so I was already spending half my time trying to hit my targets, and probably half my time helping my colleagues, uh, which was really important to that transition. So they yeah. already believed in my ability to do it, um, even though many of them had been there long. Um, I was helping them, you know, think about how they approach deals, how they build value, how they sell deals for more, et cetera. And, you know, my leadership style always built on providing value. And I, and I love helping people. Um, and I also love closing deals. So it allows me to bypass some of the, you know, what I would call grunt work of sales totally. and do what is, I think, the fun part for everyone, which is, you know, being really strategic up front or being really strategic on the back end to get a deal done. You know, c- congrats on turning the corner at Xerox, because I know anybody who who has success there really earned it. There's nothing really given, even though you work for a brand that's really well known. Every deal to me, there's very few that just are handed to you. It's a really pretty aggressive and competitive industry. And so, you know, the fact that you worked with Mike and he's crushing it over at ADP, did you ever follow him again? Or did you guys uh, keep in touch together? What was your what was your career like with Mike post Xerox, if anything? Yeah, absolutely. No, we stay in contact. Um, I did end up going over to ADP later did on. Did you? There is my first foray into the software um, world, um, which was really where I wanted to go. You know, when I was looking at Xerox and I'm kind of thinking about what my next move should be and you get different recruiters whispering in your ear and, you know, sure. I'm kind of looking at the market and saying, Hey, you know what? Software doesn't have a big cost to it. 
other than the initial um, IP to actually develop this stuff. And, you know, some just said, you know, that's where, that's where I should go. That's where there's big profits and probably big paychecks to follow. You know, Stephen, had you not said that you were from Halifax, I would have never known until you just said market. <laughs> it, it just came out there a little bit, man. I don't know if you caught it or not. I've got some pretty hard errors sometimes. It was a little market, a little market, just a little <laughs> bit, right? So sometimes, you know, when I do training in the U.S., they can tell I'm from Canada when I see out. It's pretty, pretty dead giveaway that I'm north of the border here, right? So, okay, so you went to ADP. Uh, for how long? And were you with Mike on the same team or just dotted line to him? And what was it like there? Yeah, so I was on a different team. Mike works in, uh, he's in major accounts. I was heading up the small business sales at that point. So running a commercial team for the GTA. Cool. And how long were you with ADP? Um, I actually have a boomerang story there, which was probably what I would consider one of my bigger mistakes um, in my in my professional career was um, I did two years at ADP, um, was knocking targets out of the water, built up a great team, um, had a job offer from a company by the name of Medallia, which is my current industry, Okay, um, where they essentially offered me double the money. Um, it was a straight That's tough to pass, right? Yeah. And it's like, all right, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, and you know, I did a year at Medallia and then ended up going back to ADP. And I would say that was probably the bigger mistake. Cause the second I got there, I realized all the reasons why I had left. It was almost mm. as if those voices had become louder and just made it more difficult. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you, but not, I didn't know anything about your boomerang experience, but I was going to, I was curious about, you know, you work for ADP, uh, a leader within that industry, global organization. I imagine that much like maybe Xerox Direct, when you are, uh, you know, doing well, there's a lot of runway because there's a lot of options, global company, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but it sounds like, you know, your decision to move on sounds like it was fairly easy. It just wasn't for you. And you figured that out the second time around pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and so did you, did you leave without a job or did you hang around until you got a job? Yeah. So I actually, so an interesting story. So when I went to Medallia, um, they're a, a big kind of customer experience software company, pretty well known. Um, unbeknownst to me, I had competed against the CEO of one of our competitors and beat them in a sales cycle um, for a major OEM. And he essentially started whispering in my LinkedIn messages and said, hey, you want to come grab some lunch? Um, a guy by the name of Jason Trifon, who was essentially probably the best mentor I've had in my career, who I, who I followed for the last, call it four and a half years um, at Ibex. And, okay. you know, he said, look, we're building a, a platform here. We're building a product. It's not quite ready for you yet. Um, we're not ready to go sell it really aggressively yet. Um, so once things started getting a little choppy at ADP, um, I opened up that door and we got paperwork done relatively quickly. And, and that was where I landed for the last four and a half years up until my move to Alita. So four and a half years, one of them being the pandemic, which mm -hmm. nobody planned for, uh, the, the decision to move on, I imagine, and you keep me honest here, but after that length of time, you know, kind of seeing it from early days to, I imagine, some really good growth and mm -hmm. some great experiences. Was it a, an easy decision to move on or was it uh, like uh, a challenging yeah. one? Did it take a while? What was it like for you to move on? Yeah. So when you look at my career, it was really, you know, two years was kind of the max I'd spent at any company at that point. I'd always made these jumps for either significantly more money or a bigger challenge or some kind of big learning experience. Um, and, you know, what really kept me at Ibex was that constant environment of learning and challenge. Um, we also had a, uh, a, an IPO event that happened, I guess, about eight months ago. 
um, mm. which was amazing to experience as well. Everything that goes into taking a company public and then realizing yeah. that and seeing your equity be worth something is a fantastic experience. Um, and just the relationships that I made at that company throughout were, were powerful, right? So that was a very, very difficult move to make for all the emotional reasons. Um, you know, looking at Alita, Brad, similar to Jason, had been, I'd see him on my LinkedIn profile every, uh, every three to six yeah. months. And I, uh, I decided to reach out to him and just say, hey, what's going on? Um, we did a call within, I think, within about 30 minutes of connecting on LinkedIn. And uh, two weeks later or four weeks later, I was going through onboarding. And so here you are, you know, so you've taken a new job still a year into this pandemic. I imagine that there are most, if not all the people that you kind of associate with where you've never even met them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like even Brad Stangetta, who I have nothing but time for Brad. Have you ever met him? Yeah, not since Xerox. No, 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 yeah, okay, no, but, but did you know him at Xerox? Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh you did. That. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So he was at Xerox a lot of the time. Okay, good. All right, good. And so early days at Alita, how are things? It's good. I mean, it's, uh, it reminds me a lot of the early days at Ibex, um, but significantly more mature in different ways. Nice. Um, you know, the, I think the challenges of the pandemic are definitely there. Um, you know, zoom fatigue, I would say is, yeah. is a real concept. A real I, thing, right? I just heard about it a few days ago, actually. And it's like, maybe that's why I'm like exhausted at 6 PM. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's also at the same time we did, uh, we did a QBR and it was my first time doing, a, uh, or sorry, not a QBR, an annual kickoff. And it was my first time doing one of those in a virtual setting. Right. And I liked it. I could put my camera on, 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 you know, a blank screen. I could go to the bathroom, grab a snack. I could walk around my office, like right. whatever I wanted. It was, uh, it was nice. It was, it well, you know, Stephen, you've had quite the, quite the ride, man. I, I have to say, I mean, you kind of bounced around. You've been out east. You've been in Quebec. You've been in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Toronto. It's all I've, it's been my home for, you know, 45 of my 47 years. And so I know it to be a great town, but it, I also know that it's not the easiest town to, to turn the corner on because it's a pretty expensive city and there's a, there's a lot of things to do and it costs money to do stuff. And so you figured it out and make some decisions along the way. So you've had quite the ride. I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, if they had one piece of, I guess, feedback advice, I'll ask you, like, what's been your foundation? What's kind of your rock as you, as you lean on stuff when, when times are a little bit challenging? Yeah. So, you know, great question. And if, you know, you asked me early on in my career, I probably would have said persistence, (laughs) like annoying persistence. Um, I think I've matured that into, and I guess maybe this comes through experience is conviction instead of persistence. And that conviction is really in, you know, my making a decision, having, you know, a real basis for that decision and then seeing it through because um, people will may say, you know, bumps, hurdles will come up, but, you know, you make these moves for a reason. And it's really that conviction that keeps you driving forwards and not, um, you know, going left, right or, or stopping. Right? Love it. Stephen, last question for you, man. You've been across the, the gamut, east to, east, to, east to east, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> You're a Pens fan, you're a Canadians fan, you're a Leafs fan, you're, you're a Crosby fan from Nova Scotia. Where, 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 where is your heart? It's it's funny because like literally like I'd run into Sydney as a kid, like in Coal Harbor was was kind of the, the community next to mine. Um, but as a Maritimer, you kind of have the luxury of picking any team you want. I was Chicago Blackhawks. right? I was, and it was just because I liked their logo. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're a Hawks fan. Yeah. 
Well, then you've experienced some good runs in the last, call it 15 years. Then they have two or three cups, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, we got to work on you to become a Buds fan over here. <laughs> yeah well Stephen, listen great to meet you man thanks so much for bringing up the time it's been a pleasure talking to you yeah i appreciate it you bet all right everybody let's wrap another episode up right now remember your intention matters why because i'm telling you that's the result you'll tend to get we're out of here we'll do it again next week stay safe and let's go leaves